And we're back in what's black and blue and dead all over my soul. Uh, welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also, Mike, as we have our first official, I guess, Oscar no. profile. No, not so much. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe the first Oscar's profile. Yeah, I thought you were going to say film study because I've been grouping them up as film studies because we did Scream and we did Texas right. Chainsaw Massacre. They're going to be in the same playlist that I probably right. no, no, put no. together yeah. soon. Yeah, this is, I mean, it, look, this is being treated like an Oscars movie for 2023 yeah. for next year's Academy Awards. It's being received as a high-profile Oscars movie, and we're talking about the Batman today. I think the only issue is that, Mike, you and I uh, mm-hmm. well, disagree. <laughs> I, look, I just think film Twitter's excitement fuels our rage. I think that's what's happening now. I think we're older than them. I don't I think, think it's just film Twitter, but I agree with the sentiment here. I, I think we are naturally inclined to just want to disagree with them at times, and that's the start of it. That's just the start of <laughs> how we go into movies these days. <laughs> but I, no, I, look, I don't think we hate this movie. We just we gave our grades pre-film, and we're, there's a lot to like. But mm. I, I had hoped this would be a good conversation because I think there's like a big list of things that I, I like about the movie, certainly aesthetically. And then there's a big list of things that we don't like about the movie, and, and we got our receipts we got our receipts for those. So I, I think- would hope there's a big list of both, considering you have to like punch a time clock in and out of this movie <laughs> with, with how long there's it is. There's quantity involved yeah. with, this, quantity, with this episode, yeah. with this that's, movie. That's fair. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, but we will be reviewing The Batman. Matt Reeves' The Batman entering in at all two hours and 55 minutes of its runtime. My God. Uh, if you've not joined us before for an Oscars profile or a movie review of any kind, we will have uh, two reviews for the price of one. We're going to do the first half will be all non-spoilers. So if you've not seen the Batman yet or if you're currently you went into the theater last Thursday and you're just getting out now, uh, don't worry. We're not going to ruin it for you at this point. The first half of this review will be all spoiler free. We're going to talk about uh, our audio or the reactions, our viewing experiences, the plot premise to review the performances, hold it up to an Oscars lens as we do. You'll get a spoiler warning at the midway point of this episode. Following that will be the spoiler-filled review where we go with the ins and outs of all the plot. And like we just said, this movie had all of the plot. So uh, that's where you'll get all of that. Let's start, Mike. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, uh, let's lay the land, I guess, with where we are with this movie and where it is and where it lines up uh, historically with some other recent superhero movies. Yeah, it's being received extremely well, perhaps better than any Batman or WB movie or the uh, Godfather, yeah. Perhaps since Francis Ford <laughs> Coppola was uh, making sequels, right? So yeah, this is a this is a seventy two Metascore, eighty five percent Rotten Tomato percentage on two hundred eighty reviews. Audiences are also loving it. Eight point eight out of ten on IMDb on forty two thousand votes. That's ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes as of Friday afternoon. Uh, Twenty five hundred votes there on RT. They have a stricter, thank God, uh, <laughs> rating system there on their audience score. Uh, box office projections. We don't know it yet. Again, we're recording this Friday for your Saturday, but I think it is gonna be around 125 as a final projection heading into the weekend i'm guessing that usually goes up 
and will probably mm. be a domestic total somewhere between you know 125 and 140 and globally it's probably going to do some somewhere sub 300 million between 240 and 270 is my guess but 225 to 245 was the pr- prediction projection as of March 1st and that's a big hit, obviously, a big win, and it fr- further proves the strength that these legacy IP, these comic book IP movies have at the box office. And for all the talk that maybe we're turning the corner finally with all this uh, coronavirus stuff and that people want to get back to theaters and all this, I mean, Spider-Man showed the strength that theaters could have still as like being one of the highest selling movies ever for despite any context batman's following in its footsteps here to a lesser extent but still going to be a mega hit at the box office yeah it's it's a movie for adults i would say i, I think uh, younger teens and, and uh, younger kids and families may not go to this one like they could go to spider-man i think that's stating the obvious mm-hmm. i mean this is a kind of a serial killer premise <laughs> so right. maybe maybe don't take your kids you're probably going to freak them out I look at I mean, look at he freaks me out just in general, Paul Dano, like without he's a great. mask. He's really good at that. Like he knows he's creepy. I think is his uh, lane, and he leans into it. Yeah, just his heavy breathing alone will probably give your kids nightmares. So mm-hmm. maybe keep the kids home. But look, this movie's still gonna make a billion dollars before it hits HBO Max, Mike. We've had almost every movie in this franchise make buku bucks. The Dark Knight uh, was at one billion or even just about dark knight rises followed up with uh 1.081 billion dollars batman v superman that collaboration 873 million is another high point there batman has done well historically going back to jack nicholson's movie where he raked in he must his, what was his takeaway on that i thought it was a minimum of 50 million but he had some sweet back end deal where out of the 400 million dollar gross he took home a lot uh in terms of the extra percentage I'm point doing whatever it just was. fine buddy yeah I, I i love watching 20 minutes of that movie because that's all i can do on the elliptical these days but we ha- <laughs> we had batman playing this morning <laughs> <laughs> at uh, Edge Cinema, which was awesome. To, to I wanted to stay longer, but I I was breathing heavy, so I. <laughs> you were Paul Danoing, as, as as it's known in the industry I was these days. Absolutely, yeah. Paul Danoing, <laughs> and uh, scaring children uh, somewhere. I'm sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's talk about, yeah, uh, the point being there that Batman does well. Batman and Spider-Man are about as bankable at the uh, box office as you could possibly have. Even when Batman's played by the guy, the same character who was Edward in Twilight. The exact same character, the exact same person in both movies. We'll get to that. The plot premise for this one reads, When the Riddler, a sadistic serial killer, begins murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption hidden and question his family's involvement (laughs) strewn upon the city streets overt (laughs) levels of corruption yeah they can't really write that into a plot premise on Mm -hmm. imdb all right our expectations were obviously too high for the batman and who no wait a minute i I read i read you write that okay and i take issue with that because i said from the minute we saw the first trailer i have serious concerns about Hmm. this movie this was not like I was not embracing this yeah. like the 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 Bale Gotham's and and the Nolan Batman's and I wasn't even as high on this as I was like hopeful for so Batman v Superman. How how come the tood then? Like you're you got some tood here. Like if you expected a B minus and you got a B minus, what the hell is up your butt? I think I'm really pissed off at Pattinson. 
<laughs> I think I'm really let down by his performance. Like, I was so hopeful and so carrying the cross for him. And I'm like, this is a great casting. Not that, I mean, I know that the defense of Pattinson being cast as Batman was kind of overblown. That it was like, it was a defense to a attack that was never actually happening. There were so many people that were like, I know a lot of people are bashing this pick. Except that nobody was actually bashing the pick. Because everybody likes Pattinson. But I was so hopeful and like so, I think I was... If I had expectations for anything, it was that maybe Pattinson would bring a new kind of take on Bruce Wayne here that we hadn't seen before, and I, I, I guess technically he did. <laughs> I'm going to have some positive things to say about his character. And okay. The direction that I think they're going, I like kind of where you know they're drawing some dimensions on him, different from Batman's and Bruce Wayne's in the past. However, he turns into a wolf when the moon is full, yeah. This problem, that's the wrong side. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you didn't watch the Twilight no. last night? Like me? All of them? No, I, I, I protested my nightly Twilight viewing last night. I think they got some cool paths to follow with, with Battinson here, but I... I uh, I can't believe I'm like, wasn't I the one texting you ang- more angrily about this movie? Because look, at, yeah, well, you you are you're playing you're being very nice, and I'm leaning. You're into forcing the me into this role. This is like you'll come the, around. You'll come we around. Can, we can't have good cop, bat shit cop. We can't do that. It's like we can't we can't like what was the Will Ferrell? <laughs> good uh, bad cop, worst co- anyway. The <laughs> other guys, cop, worst cop, right? Yeah, yeah. We can't do that. I got you're you're forcing me into this lane again. I know. As usual. I'll, I'll, I'll try to come around and be nicer to it. I'm just, I'm very upset. You are very upset. So you you head into this movie coming off of me saying basically that, look it, my first watch was a bummer and my set, well, this is the problem. So my second watch, I texted you a couple nights ago where I was like, Mike, I actually like the rewatch much more. And that's mm-hmm. part because I was in the Dolby cinema. And production values in the Dolby were wonderful. Yes. Where in what cinema did you see this in a normal cinema? Where yeah, it was go? a normal cinema. But I will say, like the high, it was a basic cinema, and my theater actually wasn't that full. But I saw kind of like a midday showing. Um, but the production values of this are great. Like the yeah. camera movement is awesome. The set designs are awesome. The sound is incredible. And like, if you want to tell me this is going to be, this is an Oscar-worthy uh, movie on some technical stuff, I won't argue with that. Yeah, I think we're going to get to that in the Oscar lens for sure. I do think an Academy's memory is fairly short. I agree with that. But, it's a tough release date. But these production values are, are really high level. Uh, the trailers show too much, Mike. This marketing campaign was fairly cool. You know, We covered quite a bit of it. We were in, even though you, were, you, mm-hmm. were, you had some hesitancy apparently, yeah. but I don't listen to you, so I didn't. <laughs> catch it back then look at it. if you go into this movie without having seen the trailers you probably have 20 percent better time no because every big whammy moment is in one of those freaking trailers i was really mad at wb for doing that to me or maybe we're but, but oversaturated what, what how many whammy moments do you think this movie has i think that's part of my problem is that like this was all set up to like have these big reveals and i felt like there just weren't enough or any really well let's let's get into the composition then because we have a three-hour mystery here and they do structure it that way so you're gonna you're gonna hold back on a lot of the superhero-y stuff the big set pieces to a degree until you can't anymore and that's like 
what this movie becomes. It becomes like this turducken of a mystery inside of a serial killer film inside of a superhero movie. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get all three and you're going to you're ultimately will starting kind of at the midpoint, get the big set pieces, save the world set pieces kind of thing. It does. I mean, you're going into a superhero movie, you know, this and you know it from the trailers, but I wish they just didn't show all the big moments from that, you know, like the awesome finales finale, uh, winning moments are in the trailers. What the Mm. fuck? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I, I don't disagree. I, I guess my if I'm going to defend how the trailers were cut, it's like there's a billion storylines they also stuffed into this movie. This script tries to cover, like, a, literally, quite frankly, like 20 different things, including, like, of the moment social issues on yeah. top of everything. Right. So maybe they thought they held enough back, too. Well, I'll be honest with you. I liked a lot of the process. And especially on rewatch, the rewatch was so much better than the first watch because I think I was dependent and my enjoyment was dependent on the payoffs. And maybe that's where you're at right now. Yeah, but, probably. But you don't want to feel happiness and joy and good things. So you won't rewatch this until it maybe never. No. You Terrence won't. Malick thought this movie was a little <laughs> too long. Well, that's the thing. My biggest problem with this, and we both agree, is that the runtime is way too long. This needed to be at least a half hour shorter, and that's not just... And it could have been, right. like, easily shorter. I mean, there's major characters, like, what the plot treats as intricate characters to this movie that are part of these, like, DCE storylines that could, I think could have been cut completely with no consequence to the overall arch of the story. Well, it's a bit disjointed, and sometimes mysteries can work that way, and sometimes the ABC plot lines, you know, I don't think they always need to come together like Avengers Endgame in a movie, but it, I, I'll, I'll be here with this. I, I feel like this could have been three or two separate movies, and I give them credit for weaving it together, and it's kind of a cool exercise from a structural standpoint that I'll, we'll kind of get into a little bit with the spoiler-filled second half. I give them credit because they're they are clever with yeah. How they do I, I'll that. give them Re- credit for, for trying, and I give WB credit for greenlighting it in the first place too. And WB is like the one major studio that's at least with the DC properties, they're okay taking chances lately, which is kind of cool to see from a major studio. Like you don't, this isn't. This is not your typical superhero movie, which is right. makes it in the same way Joker wasn't. You know, it makes it kind of cool. Inspired from the long Halloween, but it's a total uh, departure mm. from the characters in the long Halloween based on the fact that I watched the two-part cartoon movie and now I think I'm an authority ha- on the long Halloween. You know Halloween. what? But it's, it makes me want to watch. <laughs> like, I want to watch all the Batman cartoon movies now. Well, what was cool about the long Halloween is that it it was a whodunit. And you enjoyed that much, and you had to you had to put in part two because Mike, I love whodunits, yep. even when they're bad. Yep. I am a detective movie junkie, yep. serial killer movie junkie. I'm sick in the head. I love these films. I love this genre. If you have a whodunit out there, I've probably seen it. I even watch, I even watch crappy TV in this genre mm-hmm. as much as I of it as as, as I can. I listen to the books. I've seen Joe Nesbo's. The Snowman as a film, and I've that. listened to it, <laughs> and I've listened to it as a book. <laughs> they're 
both okay. I'm, but I'm with you. I echo your point. Yeah, I mean, I think we've established too throughout MMO, like Who Done It is one of our favorite genre of film, if not our We're absolute fans. favorite. This isn't a Who Done It. No, it's not. This a is a That Guy Done It. <laughs> of course, That Guy did it. He yeah, did it in the first is, scene. So we know Who Done It. We know Who Did It and Who Done It and Who Else Might Have Done It and Helped Them. We know. And and then the the reveals in the in this movie are just like, and that's the biggest simple. issue. That's the biggest issue for me. It's like if you're having all these setups, and there are a billion storylines, and like not all of them, but a good majority of them have what are supposed to be these impactful moments. And I know you say the trailer gave them away. I just don't. Even if the trailer wasn't there, I was like, I felt like every reveal, and this happens a lot with 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 you write yourself into a corner. It happens in wrestling all the time. Yeah. I know I keep referencing wrestling, but I am who I am. Like, the reveal has to be something special if you're going to give it the amount of hype it does. And yeah. I think the fact that all the production values were so good, the score is so good, and so, like, tension and anxiety-driven and rising, like, you have to have a, a reveal that lives up to all this stuff. And this just, I don't think, did it many turns, not just one. And, and if you're mad at us right now because we're like retroactively process of elimination spoiling this movie for you no it's just not about the reveals this movie yeah is... there's no there's no spoiler the riddler's the bad guy there's no spoiler. Yeah, this is not about that it's more about the process and again i like how a goes to b and b goes to c and whatever the rest of the alphabet goes uh in my brain i right think now. i said dce before when i was trying to reference alphabetically so yeah I've we will screw up those non sequiturs mm -hmm. just on a daily basis but <laughs> I, I i'm enjoying most of this ride and i think my first my first watch i was expecting some big whammy moments i was expecting them to go there like wait because a minute alfred slept way. with mrs right. wayne like I'm, I'm expecting this shit to happen right. and no of right. course it doesn't right like they because of how this was set up and it's like Again, credit to you for doing this and like bringing Zodiac into the into Gotham, yeah, right. But like, maybe don't have. I guess this is where the point you were making. Maybe I'm just slow to adapt to it. Maybe don't have your entire marketing campaign from minute one be Paul Dano is going to be the Zodiac killer. Okay, yeah, unmask. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, it, yeah, the marketing is weird. The posters, anyway. Like the movie does, or the trailers didn't market it like. We have to unmask the mystery or whatever the hell they were saying in the posters. They didn't do that in the trailers. I don't know. And they could have. I mean, there's a moment here, and I talked about this in the pre-production. I'll talk about it in spoilers, too. There's a moment where they had, I thought they were, like, tiptoeing up to this nebulous idea. It would have been very difficult to pull off, but I thought they were actually going for it. And I was like, oh, okay. This is, all this has been worth it. And then they immediately shy away from it. And I think they do that a couple times. It's a bit of a J.J. Abrams promise the world yeah. mystery of the, yeah, and mystery of the universe will be solved by the end of What's this. What's this polar bear doing in the jungle? By the yeah. end of season seven, you will know the meaning of life. If you have right. been searching for so long, we will have it for you. But no, of course they don't. Of course they don't. Michael, performances, we got a lot about, a lot to say about those as well. Let's start with the uh, the Cape Crusader. This is... I chimed in with a habit you people ever heard of. <laughs> this is emo Batman. I mean, it's emo. But see, okay. <laughs> he's very emo Batman. I don't know why I was expecting something different because he's the exact type of character you think you're getting from the looks of him in the trailer. The soft-spoken, reserved, moody, brooding, emotional guy. Yeah. 
Robert Pattinson's almost 40, isn't he? Or is he past 40? Yeah, he does play younger here. Is this supposed to be a 23-year-old Bruce Wayne? Is that the point of this character? It should be Arrested Development Bruce Wayne. And it's like an awkward, like, he should have changed his haircut 10 years ago, but he's still got the little kid haircut. Like, that's what I'm... I'm weirded out by this character because it's he's strung out, he's unwell psychologically, which I do think is naturally something you can draw from this, you know, lifestyle of a vigilante, yeah, absolutely nocturnal character. So, like, I like that you have the edge to his character, but it's a bit of a double-edged sword in the in the sense that if Batman's gonna be that way. And Bruce Wayne is the same note. It doesn't make for the greatest song. I I like that. I like that analysis. I'm wondering if, like, am I just missing that this was supposed to be a 20-year-old Bruce Wayne? Because the way, if I knew, Pattinson, I guess, is 35, <laughs> which means he's my age. If one of my friends was acting the way he does, even if he was a guy, a billionaire, who like had the, the weight of being the protector of this seedy city on his back, <laughs> if, I, if he was talking to me the way Robert Pattinson talks to Alfred in this movie right. or talks to Selena, like a like, petulant, wealthy yeah, brat. Fucking grow up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if, you're, if he's supposed to be 23 or fresh out of college, make that known, I guess. I don't know. He seems very... Immature. He's he's Edward from Twilight. He seems like Edward from Twilight to me. That being said, Christian Bale's Batman was kind of like cult leader, scary, unblinking, uh, so self righteous. You know, almost to the where Alfred had to get him in the other direction. So they they really are on two poles of the spectrum. I would say as Bruce Wayne's. Right. I agree with that. So that's kind of interesting cool. to me that they're yeah. taking it from the opposite side and he's going to have to kind of grow into the role of Bruce Wayne, I think, in further movies. Then why establish the... I, I don't disagree, but then why establish that he's done all this on his own already? Like, he's built the Batcave. He has all this technology at his... They did a good job, I guess, in the sense that they also wrote this Bruce Wayne to be not... Yes, he's a billionaire, but he's not this overly zealous, reliant on tech superhero. Right. The Batmobile in this is just a souped-up car. Yeah, some of the... He can't really fly. You know, he he has the grappling hook, but it's more yeah. based in reality. You know what I mean? And again, I kind of like some of that. Like, you got some upper-level tech, but it's not... It's not... Uh, you don't have Mr. Fox. Right. You don't have Mor- right. Morgan Freeman's character in this movie. I didn't mind that either. I like that too. What's Alfred's involvement? I don't know. I guess I'll skip to the end of the characters here and just say that Alfred does nothing and I don't understand it. <laughs> like, if you have a younger, fitter, cool, cooler Alfred, give him anything to do. Anything. Yeah. At least the old British butler stereotype was fun. It was like this Bruce Wayne facade of snootiness uh, uh, right. above the others. Like, look, I, I don't need another ugly cry Michael Caine, but Jesus, like, <laughs> this old British guy just gets up in the morning and looks dapper and says he could fight and... Like, what does he do? He just does clearly does not do any housework. Clearly, he does not take good care of the company. And clearly, he's just, like, angry at muggles. I don't I don't know what he's doing, <laughs> Alfred. <laughs> he looks like he's from that trailer, The Fantastic Beasts. I don't know what's going on. He's in charge of the mail. He's clearly in charge of the mail. <laughs> what is happening? 
with Andy Serkis. I, I like. I think he could be a good Alfred. Like, there's some good conversations there, and he's actually, you know, kind of slapping Bruce down or being a good therapist. I guess that would would be the more responsible way to put it. But I would want to get angry at Bruce Wayne if he was lashing out back at me like he is in this movie. I, it's weird. It's a weird. I dynamic. agree with you. I agree with you. It is a weird. It's. I don't know if I want to say these actors were playing these characters in a way that just didn't fit right with me, or if the casting was just off in the first place. I don't. I don't know, and I don't mean to insult anyone, but I had trouble with. I agree with you totally that I didn't understand the the Alfred the way Andy Serkis was playing it. Jeffrey Wright, I love. I didn't. I mean, Jeffrey Wright's an authority figure to me. He's not this hapless cop who's always being yelled at by his. Superlative, like the uh, the upper echelon. He's of what the he is. adult in the room, and he's yeah. much more uh, reined in than Battinson. Uh, and he, right. he's he's keeping Battinson from the brink of. And that's what's cool about this character. He, he's a bit self destructive. There's no secret to it. So I think I think that is something he's reckoning with in this film, and his friends and his allies, like a commissioner, or not commissioner yet, obviously, like a Mr. Gordon. Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Wright Gordon is keeping him. He's a barrier between Batman and the abyss between Batman and getting arrested by the entire police department. And yet at the same time, he's being treated like this hapless sergeant who can't do any right. And I just didn't get, I, I don't know. It didn't work for me. I love Jeffrey Wright too. I, I, he just didn't work for me in this role. I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on why I think once once he's established as Commissioner Gordon, if once we get the sequel, which I imagine we will at some point, like that's the role I can see him in. But the come up, having this Jeffrey Wright playing the Lieutenant Gordon on his way up to Commissioner, who's being yelled at and given the side eye by everyone, I just didn't buy. They're forcing these lowly beginnings on yeah, us. And right. they're, we're coming off of a trilogy where we know the capability and the, the gravitas of each one of these character names. Like they come in with this huge reputation in our minds for Christ's right. sake. Like if you put Jeffrey Wright in the in the uh, Gary Oldman role, right. that works for me. Perfect. But that's the thing. Like we've had right. entire right. right origin stories now, TV series that we've all dabbled in, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Pennyworth and Commissioner Gordon's had his own set. Like good god, man. We we know these characters inside and out. So when anybody picks up the mantle, they're gonna have some sway, especially when you have an actor as good as Jeffrey Wright. Right. So you better convince us that they're dimensional heading into it and they really don't. He's just kind of a capable capable right. detective throughout the whole film, so they don't give us the dimensions at all. I think that I think you hit the nail on the head of what I couldn't uh, quite put my finger on. So yeah, I just I I Cosign everything you just said. I'm glad I can finger your nails. Uh, <laughs> Going to be tough to recover from that. All I right, almost had a about... worse, uh, <laughs> a worse retort that would actually about... been much more sexual. But okay. What about Catwoman? Zoe Kravitz. Perfect transition. Uh, Thank you. I am a fan of Catwoman in this movie. I do not understand Selena Kyle at all, and I think her character has some pronounced strengths and strengths and weaknesses that frustrate me. Uh, and I'll get into that in spoilers. So I am a fan of Zoe Kravitz. I'm, I'm a fan of her whole career. I thought she was really good in that Kimmy movie that just came out. I actually just watched that the other night. I thought she was terrific in that. I, I loved High Fidelity. She was good. A couple years ago, that was like a real, that wasn't just a guilty pleasure. I love that 
TV mm-hmm. series. I, Hulu can just have a viewer in me for every redux that it does of a movie, for Christ's sake. Especially <laughs> of a rom-com from the 2000s. Right. I will watch every single one of those freaking things. Four Weddings at a Funeral, love those. I have lingering questions about the Selena Kyle I was just going to say, the more time you spend talking about the superlatives on uh, on Zoe Kravitz's resume makes me think that you weren't a fan of this role of hers. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, There's just these things that should be mutually exclusive that are not and i like i have serious questions again they're kind of writing themselves into a corner or they're trying to write themselves into an arc but it makes no sense she's one of the characters that i think she's treated as intricate to the plot but really if you kind of separate her out it's uh, i feel like i have no basis for this obviously but this is how it came off to me was that they had this movie written and there was a note that said, is this touching on enough social issues? Are we, is this movie woke enough for the millennials uh. and the, the Gen Z and all that? And then they, they just shoehorned this character in to represent all those issues, which to me is kind of gross. She, well, she has one comment. So I, I, I think you're, you might be overstating it a tad. I probably am, as I am most things. But it, I will say it does seem like white people are, we know white people are writing this movie. And mm-hmm. we're, they're they're afraid to white dim, write dimensional characters for the black. I black mean that's characters. how it came. And I, you know, that's how it came off to it's me. It's always like, happening now in Hollywood. They're just afraid. Right. Like Steven Spielberg makes a movie, and it's just one note about uh, the African American right, exactly. experience. And, and I'm just not- using his name as an example, but he's done it. But the, a lot of these, like that's why white directors were like we're done with them making black stories. I, I just we're yeah. done with it because they're too chicken shit. To actually write a rounded character. We've called them out a, a, a half dozen times on major Oscar movies in the past, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely. But And this isn't to say that the wokeness shouldn't be in the... You're not going to find a more progressive <laughs> Oscars podcast than us and go back and listen to anything in our catalog Maybe, to improve but, it. Yeah, look at it. But this is like, don't... This felt forced to me. And it felt like, like exactly like you're saying, this was... This was uh, people writing this who, instead of making the wokeness part of the plot, they had to make sure they included the wokeness in their movie to appeal to a different generation, just to shut them up and placate them. And I felt yeah. like that was personified in the Selena Kyle character, and that's unfair to that character and unfair to Zoe Kravitz. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. She had to deal with some rough lines in this script and deliver them, and it didn't necessarily work for me story wise on a story level. I think her character's got a lot of potential though. So again, it's just like a, a list of pros and cons for Selena Kyle and Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Same, I got, I, I got a list in either direction, but it's the same problem where her character's shown to be so capable in one minute and so goofy and clumsy in the next. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? All right, we'll, we'll get into it, but I don't have as much, <laughs> hesitancy to call the goofy and clumsy out with this next character faux pechi penguo gucci right. the penguishman oh danny boy devito the codfather cod i like that C-O-D. i like that one yeah uh, uh and penguini alfredo those are all of my and i didn't i didn't look for these anywhere i came them up came up with them all by myself 
Good job. Good job. I am by Italian, you. so I'm allowed. And Irish, by the way. So I guess I'm allowed. No, I'm not. They're all racist, horrible things to say about my own people. What the hell is happening, though, Michael? Colin Farrell. Like, I'm just done with these nonsense, fat suits, over-ethnic fat accents. Like, he's giving this Robert De Niro performance at times. I'm just, Why? Why? Didn't the Tom Hanks trailer of Jar Jar Hanks finish this from 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 elvis like paolo gucci why is this becoming a thing even though i say that out of one side of my mouth and out of the other side i had a ball with this stupid penguin character yeah i i, I liked it i thought it was well done I of really, course like, you did and not, not, did. but not in the way like jared Leto's a cartoon character in house of gucci i didn't like this Colin Farrell performance in the way I like the Jared Leto thing because that's like more trolling everyone. Uh-huh. This I actually thought was good makeup, right? And it actually didn't look anything like Colin Farrell in his performance. I didn't see Colin Farrell in that performance at all. I thought it was actually kind of well done. He's so talented, I, my God! And he's he's yeah. been a he's been underrated quite often throughout his career. And I give him credit because he's done a lot of movie star turns and he's done some smaller roles. Yeah. I agree with that, and I, I was impressed by by this Colin Farrell, and I didn't see him on screen at all the entire time. Great first scene with with him. The, my biggest problem is probably with the Penguin character because the Penguin character is a bit of a shit heel in this whole movie. Like he gets his he's written as a coward, and then he has this one moment where yeah. he's supposed to be like flexing his muscles afterwards, Maybe. but it makes no sense for him to do so when he is. I, yeah, I didn't like I'm it. questioning whether or not his character deserves an entire spinoff series. I mean, But here's what I uh, just criticized these writers about for every other character. They are not pulling any punches with Penguin. Alliteration. They are, they are <laughs> giving him an arc. Like, this is an arc, at least. We could uh, follow uh, Ozymandias, or Oswald, I think it's Oswald, you know, after this. It's tough to, if that's the arc they want to do with the show, because I think Gotham just did the exact same thing on Fox, that show Gotham that was on for like six years or whatever, okay. five seasons. The Penguin starts off as this low-level street thug. Not that Colin Farrell's is low-level necessarily. He's like middle management, would you say? Upper management maybe right. already? I just finished Succession. I mean, if you play your cards right, kid, you can get to the lower upper echelon with this yeah. company. <laughs> <laughs> great i love those the, two guys the so american much. dream braun and uh whatever fucking uh pride and prejudice guy i love him <laughs> mr darcy mr braun all right what am i doing michael I, I really like some things about the riddler and i really hate some things about the riddler he's a derivative mess he's the quintessential character of my discord with this film because I love all of the derivatives and antecedents because I'm again I'm a sick detective movie junkie I'm a true crime fan like yourself mm-hmm. and the derivatives for the Riddler are all there and very obvious but his he's on message for like you know th- five sixths of this movie and then for the final 30 minutes, His evil plan just goes in an entirely different direction. Like, what the fuck? I got to stop swearing. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. He does go off base. But his going off base, I 
kind of really like. That's what we're different from everybody. Like everybody yeah. hates the end of this movie and loves the mo- the rest of it, and we kind of like the end and hate. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it, it is. That said, I, I thought Dan. I wish Dano had more screen time as Dano. Like when he. I gotta stop saying like. You gotta stop swearing. I gotta stop using like as a transitional phrase. When he takes off the mask, so to speak. Yeah. And it's just Paul Dano on camera. I thought it was better than any of his Riddler stuff. Goo! <laughs> <laughs> that face of terror. Poor Paul Dano. No, but we, we come in with baggage with him because he's played such a, you know, scary dude and there will be blood. Yeah. And he freaked me out in that movie. Not Let's read IMDb for another 10 minutes here. <laughs> I miss talking to you. It's been too long. All right. Uh, those are the performances. Production values will kind of end this thing on a positive because, Mike, I want the Batman nominated for five Oscars. I, I think it wouldn't surprise me. I think these are top level. If I you, agree. If you stack these up with what we got this past year, I would I would vote Batman in for five Oscar categories from this past year. Makeup and hairstyling. I- I'm in. I'm in. I think it's better than Paolo Gucci. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Sound design. Chris. Yes. I-, I loved my experience at both viewings, IMAX and Dolby. I don't know what you were able to hear. I mean, you kind of got wax in your ears anyway. You're not great at this. I Thank you. But, yeah, I, I, liked, I appreciated the sound despite my shortcomings. The visual effects were tasteful. The finale, like all of the smoke and the way the cgi and practical effects are fused in obviously one of the better car chases in a while the yeah. camera angles are, are are really cool from from dune cinematographer greg fraser there look i i think you can make an argument for the cinematography i don't think it'll be there eventually i think it'll be forgotten at the end of the day unfortunately but i would i would be a thumbs up for the cinematography as of now it's mm-hmm. in my five as of march <laughs> original score though yeah michael giacchino michael giacchino he's one for up he's been nominated for ratatouille we love him uh coming from the pixar rewatch series i hope he holds up here because he, like kind of the power of the dog score mike we know the big theme for Batman, we knew it from the marketing from the first, you know, red teaser. That's my only whatever. My only question is that: is this going to qualify as an original score? Because the two main scores that every th- every score in the movie was based off of was the old Batman score and what is it, Ave Maria? What was the church uh, song? Yeah, you know? Ave Maria, and then he kind of fuses in the Nirvana song there, right? But I, I look, I think I think there's a lot of music in this movie, and it's it's different different it's melodies. Great. Than, I agree. He's Absolutely doing a great. lot of great work. I love the original score here, so I'm thumbs up for for that's that's my fourth. And then costume design, like there's a bit of everything. There are some jaw dropping dresses and the suits on some of these dapper gangsters. I love the nightlife costuming. I and then I thought you had these functional kind of building on what Christopher Nolan's Batman did. You had a functional Batman. You had a functional Riddler. I mean, he's trying to keep the DNA from falling from his hairline. Mm. I mean, dude, you got some great costumes in this. Yeah. I was skeptical, kind of like when I saw the posters. I thought the bat suit in this is one of the best we've had in a while, maybe even better than Bale's. So I I wouldn't... It's a tough... Obviously, it's a tough uh, release date for any of those categories, for any kind of Oscar category. And we'll see Mm -hmm. if it has the legs to run. But I'm with you. Yeah, if you want to tell me that some of these texts are going to be Oscar-nominated, I absolutely would not 
disagree or argue, certainly at this point. They could have measured up to a couple of the things that, in a couple categories we have this year, going into this Oscars. I agree with you there. So there are Oscar-level, Oscar Academy-level goods in this movie, certainly. And the production designs, it's a really cool yeah. take on New York City. It's a... I don't necessarily know if they all understood the layout of how a city works like this one and uh, how they have underground trains and anyway, but I do think, I do think the production design is top notch. I'm guessing it's going to kind of be relegated kind of how, how Joker's production design would be relegated to where, all right, they shot in New York. Or, well, I, I don't even know too. if they shot in New York. I don't think they did, but, but there's a argument here that we've talked about for a couple years now in that. Man, when a big studio has all this money to throw at a blockbuster, this stuff's gonna look great, and it really does. So, like, are we coming up to a point where we should have big budget Oscar <laughs> categories versus indie cat? Because how can an indie movie keep up with this stuff? They don't even have a stunt branch yet, and right. now you want I know. two I know. production design I know. categories. I know, I'm like in the old day, like art design and set. The, yeah, no, I don't know how the, you how you parse through these things though. Like, how, how is anything gonna measure up to what? WB can do what Marvel can do. You know, I don't, I've never understood how anything can compete with Marvel in the VFX category. I would love to, for them to have 20 additional Oscars right. for all these categories. And no, they won't, unfortunately. But I, look at, I want five Oscar noms. And I would say the cinematography and production design are probably in my top tens, maybe uh, at the end of next year. They have a chance. As of now, they're cemented, but I wouldn't begrudge. Mr. Fraser getting a nom here, even though I don't, I would be surprised, but what would, I mean, I, I have to pull myself back, rein myself in. What would you think would be an over under here, Mike, for actual Oscar nominations for the Batman fast way forward until next year? I was thinking one and a half. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what kind of odds I would put on that, but just because it is a superhero movie, we know how those get treated generally. It's a March release. We're so far away from anyone. This came out before this year's Oscars. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it has a lot going against it now. It could be treated as the greatest movie of all time, like the early reviews have treated it as. Literally, it has a similar score on IMDb to what the Godfather's movies have. So (laughs) if it has that kind of momentum, one and a half could look foolish. But just based historically, if you're going to talk about what a March release, what a superhero movie, what a comic book movie is going to do, I I have it over under at 1.5. I'm thinking the visual effects are probably low-key for some people and what they expected, so that probably drops off. Costumes, I'm guessing that they're not going to get the credit they deserve. Original score, sound design, and makeup and hairstyling probably are 3 two, one in terms of power rankings. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking those three, but my guess is that you know we know how scores become earworms yep. and how some... You know, almost get hurt by the how if they're super catchy sometimes. Look, I think this should be an original score, but I'm guess my my over under would have been two point five. Mm-hmm. But I, I I can see your over under of one point five because kind of like like the two techs will come in or the you know the two design categories. You know, makeup and what did Spider Man land this year? Did it land two or just one? Just the one, just no, one. Yeah, that's that's what I'm. I think if it was one point five, I think I, if I had to bet right now, I think I would take the under. Right, and yeah, that's the whole other, you know, wrench into this. Sometimes the Academy thinks the box office is reward unto sure. itself. Sure, we've seen that. Well, 
that was relatively positive, right? For a non We ended section. positive. We did okay. Yeah. <laughs> Look, at, we're, we're nitpicking in many senses because we had big expectations. So I, I don't know if the spoiler section is going to make you guys happy because we feel like we got to fight the world sometimes. <laughs> we're, we're, everybody's like B plus on this movie. And yeah. we're like B minus and we yeah. get so mad. <laughs> yeah, it is nitpicky. You're right. But at right. the same time, let's pick nits. Let's go into the spoiler section. Good. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. 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 This is the spoiler section for the movie The Batman, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, if you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause on us. Go check it out at your local theater. We'll be here waiting for you when you get back. If you've seen the movie already, this is where you want to be. All spoilers, all twists and turns, all plot-related things from this point out about the movie The Batman, the Oscars profile episode, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Mike, do you want to start with a riddle or... <laughs> the riddles suck. Were these they? not the worst riddles? If you're going to have a movie based on the Riddler, can you yeah. have one that's challenging? Nah, the only one that was challenging meant nothing. It wasn't a riddle. It was just like <laughs> it was a fake riddle. <laughs> What's black and blue and dead all over? You. What? What? Well, then why are you giving me the answer? Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Hold on. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was Barry Keoghan. Is that the? I think that's the, the correct pronunciation. Yeah, Barry. The Key. idiot pronunciation. Oh, Gan. Yeah. Uh I'm not excited for that at all. I'm being dead serious. I love the Joker character, but I was not. I didn't think that was handled well. Silhouette. We can only see the shadow. I'm in for Joker being. I mean, they're following the template, right? The Nolan template. Put him in the second movie. Let's do the Sinister Six type things. Yeah, I, right. And if you want to see, I'm glad with the Riddler stayed alive. We want to see a Riddler Joker team up. I'm all for it. I just we saw some of the scars on his outline. Kind of looked like he was all made up in the cell. He's a terrific actor, though. He's one of the better underrated actors from The Killing of the Sacred Deer to Dunkirk. I mean, he had a hell of a role in mm-hmm. that, and he's barely in it. The, the dude can act. And yeah. He was one of the shining stars of Eternals, I thought, going, you know, taking it to the next Agreed. level. But he's been in so many indie films, so many lower budget films that the, he's as young a thespian as there is. So I think he can do it, Mike. We're not disparaging the actor, but it's interesting the scene too, wasn't the best. WB going forward with it, there was that whole hullabaloo before the Batman release that there was two versions of the movie they were debating on releasing. One included the Joker and one did not. So they yeah, but why do we need a Doctor Evil joke there? I mean, that's yeah, the that's thing. I, like, if you're gonna, I, if you're saving yeah. a laugh, a laughing fight, where who see who can laugh most right. maniacally? Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. What I are we like doing? It was handled. I didn't. I thought it was cartoonish compared to, especially you have this uber serious plot that the Riddler just put forward. That is horrifying. I mean, this was the most evil plot in a Batman movie I think since Jack's Joker wanted to poison the entire city. Yeah, like, it was scary stuff. This is a terrifying plot that the Riddler has just done, and then you're ending on that note. It, I just did not like the contrast. 
So the Riddler is surgical. This whole movie, he's like, I am taking out the upper yes. crust, and I am taking out the powers that be because, of course, they're corrupt. And look, I thought it was working, even though it wasn't like dazzling in terms of the level of revelatory power that it had. But it was it was a spectacle, and it was keeping us into it for the most part. I mean, it's a mystery that does follow mystery protocol and i was i was tipping my hat to it even though i wasn't you know blown over by it sure it's telling us information about the wayne family that's redundant however like the fact that we just had the well, Joker, not just the wayne family but a couple characters in gotham lore but yeah we just had an asshole thomas wayne in joker yeah like to to put to take some you know polish off of the wayne image and especially to kind of redux it to where, oh, he wasn't that bad of a guy. He had a lapse in judgment, said Alfred, when John Turturro's really the big bad. I mean, you said it before the show. Like, oh, my God, well, that's a gangster's the big, a bad guy? Right, the big reveal of this movie is that Carmine Falcone, the notorious mob boss of Gotham for 80 years in comics, in movies... In cartoons, <laughs> the big reveal of this movie is that Carmine Falcone is a bad guy. No shit. Wait, Gotham is corrupt, <laughs> right. you say? Like, How wait, dare you? That's the, and that's part of the problem. I also wonder if Hollywood, and this is me just jumping off the top of my head, too, so I'm going to take this in a weird direction, maybe, and I apologize in advance to you, Mike. But Hollywood might be running into a problem soon Yeah, with superhero movies. Because I think the general consensus amongst viewers is that every politician is corrupt anyway in some way. And well, you if have you have the bad guy here. killing the politicians who are corrupt, <sighs> that might come off as cathartic for the viewer more so than a danger for the viewer. True, no? but you're trying to portray a balanced view of politicians. You have the new politician who's winning. Uh, Mayor Real, Mayor yeah. Elect she, Real, yeah, she's Bella be Real. Yeah. We, we get an actual kind of heroic portrayal mm -hmm. of her towards the end. Not, not kind of. You getting a heroic portrayal. She is shot and she is wounded and she is still fighting against that and still leading despite that. And you love her. Yeah. And she's point. talking. You know, talking Bruce Wayne into being more philanthropic, even though. You know, it's kind of a, a tisk tisk scene, which is, again, you know, giving her a lot of agency uh, going forward, I hope. But we have the Riddler targeting her for what reason after he was being so surgical leading up to Bruce Wayne and then he just forgets his plot of, yeah. you know, Made settling no all family business and he's has the business of the orphans which apparently alfred was taking care of those orphanages after the wayne's death and did a terrible <laughs> job letting babies die like all these implications like they don't cross check this shit from a screenwriting continuity perspective well, what are they doing there's a billion plot holes in this mm. thing I, I mean there's just way too much plot they tried to stuff three movies four movies worth of information into one and that's why you have a three-hour runtime here but because you also have a three-hour runtime there's just the yada yada over so many things that if you think critically about at all, the th whole thing comes apart. 
And there's we need to save numerous. the world, yeah. save the city, set piece to finish this thing. When it probably should have been more intimate. It probably should have been more character focused. Carmine Falcone is, owns the entire Gotham City Police Department, but when he's arrested, there's still enough police that aren't on his payroll to make that big of a stand out in front of his club when he's brought out by Gordon. What do we, then he doesn't own the police department. Then he doesn't really run the entire city. He's not that corrupt, right? And who cares about John Turturro's character in this movie? <laughs> who gives a darn? I don't. I'm trying. Now I go and I say yes, silly yes. 1940s curse, cuss words. Kill him. Uh, to finish this after Kill just him now. mother effing this movie <laughs> in the non-spoiler section when your kids were listening. <laughs> this gosh darn rootin' tootin' jerks. What am I saying? Look at Carmine Falcone. Carmine Falcone. I get him confused with Salvatore Moroni mm-hmm. always, which I thank them for completely reconfusing yeah, me again <laughs> in this movie. <sighs> Jesus, I don't care about these mobsters played by British people in previous films. And and played by Irishmen here, and at least Taturo, thankfully, is part Italian, for Christ's sake. But what do we do? Who gives a damn about these characters that we know are bad dudes going in? The conflict all happens off screen, too. They set up all this hullabaloo to have the big conflict be this payoff, this hit job that Thomas Wayne may or may not have ordered. This all happened back in the past, and it's not given any relevance or reference until the last 20 minutes or so of the runtime of this three-hour movie. It's a and little the silly. definition, the definition of shoehorning. Yeah. And it it's just it, landmines of problems in previous films to do the origin story thing and the retcon or the shoehorn, especially with a black character and a first time black character in this, re, in this regard with Selena Kyle. Why are we making her his daughter? Like it's don't give you don't have to give her that added significance. She's already super important to the plot because she's a bisexual catwoman whose whose lover has been taken hostage by the plot. So she's heroic and seeking this and and hunting these jerks down. We don't need to make her the daughter of the big bad. Well, you hit. I mean, you explained why in the pre-production. Because they both have to have right. daddy issues. They wanted at the, the same symmetry. Time. And I, I believe I believe that's if that's the reason, and who knows if it is, I tend to believe you're right. But if that's the reason, I think that's handled with good intent because then you're saying that these are two co leads of the series. And that's yeah. kind of a big deal. You have Batman who's this moody, broody, prickish upper elite white dude who can't possibly relate to what's going on with real people down on the ground. And then you do have the the Selena Kyle character who's I do think shoehorned in with wokeness, but regardless of that, still is able to be this more regular, the more relatable one of the two. And who is this minority character? And that's a big deal to have a minority character be the lead of a Batman series. Let's go. Like, I get that. Right. Jesus. So, but yeah, it's handled in a very clumsy way. Like many things in this movie are, quite frankly. And then next movie, we'll have Salvatore Moroni show up and he'll be played by Wyatt Russell (laughs) in a Pizza the Hut suit. (laughs) From Spaceballs. <laughs> Sorry, Wyatt Russell. You're pepperoni, okay. the You're bad the guy. whitest guy. You're the most Caucasian I could think of. But I Miller. love Wyatt yeah. Russell. <laughs> Let the, the blood of eternity flow through his veins. Gosh darn it. Right? Right. Another yeah. callback? We've, we've been Look, there. 
The Riddler draws out the shadow government and blames the legacy families. Let's go. I'm in for that. This movie should have ended in a mayoral election fundraiser. It didn't need to end in an election night party at Gotham Square Garden just to have a crazy, scary mass shooting callback. For Christ's sake, we don't need that. Even though it's the visual of the flooding. Yeah, we don't need it, but I I do think it added something. I mean, that was a nefarious plot, and that was a crazy plot, not one that I saw coming, but it is completely out of step with the Riddler's plan up to that point, even though they tried desperately to make you believe that was the Riddler's plan all along, and when he says the clues were all there, and he just happens to have a layout of the map of where he's putting all these bombs on his floor, for what reason exactly? It, it leads to the point where Catwoman could save Batman, who's sacrificing himself, who's very self-destructive in that moment. Even though he probably could have not. Oh, tried narratively, to be Tarzan. Yeah, yeah, narratively, it, they like do a that kind of works. Yeah. I agree. They it, do a good enough job. It, it it it's a sequence that worked, even though it was superfluous. I just don't understand why the Riddler would go the next, like he would call the next administration corrupt no matter what. All right, I I get the implication. That's out of step with with his, because his, I mean, we're hyper-focused for two hours and 30 minutes on the past and the secrets of the past and the sins of the father and and the, the revival project is, or the renewal project is the answer. Like, and then you just, you, I guess the argument could be that well, it wasn't the Riddler doing it to the new administration. It was the nut jobs he met online and on the in the YouTube comments, which brings up right. its whole different ball of wax about Scary. toxic fandom. Yeah, that he's a Pied Piper of mass shooters. That's terrifying. Right. The problem is, it's like the last scary thing he does. Because before that, he's a red dragon stalker across the street. Mm-hmm. He's the seven deadly sins killer right. in the crime scene afterwards. He's Heath Ledger's he's a, Joker with all the live videos. He's a Zodiac cipherer. Yep. He's a jigsaw, you know, gadget of death mechanic. Mm-hmm. He's a unabomber. I mean, it's like the the jumbled mess of serial killer antecedents. If you're us and you're junkies of the true crime genre, whether it's in cinema or in real life, like it's just silly that you're going to... like. I feel like Sarah Marshall yelling at Aldous Snow for what his <laughs> tattoo, <laughs> tattoos mean. Like These are conflicting ideologies. It just means you're full of shit, Aldous. You know, that's where I end with this. <laughs> just, again, to date myself in the movies I quote. But... Like the militia is is scary. I just feel like the militia, if, if it turned, like if Riddler kept and stayed on message and he turned it on the upper crust instead of on the general public, you could have more dimensions with a kind of a Robin Hood villain, even if he's effed up. Yeah, but and, then you're not a bad guy. I mean, then you go, but you, then you fall back into the problem that I just said about is that too cathartic for the viewing public, the way that people are treating the, the upper class of the country right now? You know what I mean? Right. Like, this movie could have been interpreted as more dark. Remember all the, the, the uproar that the media had about the Joker movie and how it was definitely going to lead to a shooting and somebody was definitely going to be... I thought this oh, movie God. had more potential for, I don't know, scariness and real-world adaptability than... People say a lot of things. I mean, they said Star Wars, you know, inspired... Right. Oh, oh, the media is, for is, the yeah. media is desperate for blood. We know that, but... But just on its face, I thought that this movie had more 
terrifying elements of, of adjacent to reality than something like Joker did. And if that I was shouldn't blame the media for Timothy McVeigh, by the way, but it, Timothy McVeigh quoted Star Wars as like an inspiration. Oh, I, he, was, I was talking about the you Joker know, stuff. Yeah, no. The I'm, whack yeah. jobs will take from right. whatever. Right. I'm not you trying know, to. They're going to. Yeah, I was talking about the, the, the media uproar of, oh, is somebody going to get shot at the Joker screenings? Like, could you want somebody to get shot anymore? You're making stories out of nothing here because you want to bloodlust. But anyway, I, no, I'm, they're reckless. They're reckless. Right. They always have been. But for sure. That said, there are terrifying elements of reality in this plot. And if that's intentional, which I assume it is, because this was a, a superhero movie that was grounded in enough reality and enough of the, our real world to make it relatable, I think that was a, a job well done in that aspect. I got a lot of bests with this movie. And like I said, I think a lot of it works. I think Riddler's reveal behind the the mayor in that opening scene was just the start of it. Like the glints of light on his two glasses, mm-hmm. his goggles. That was awesome. Terrifying. That was awesome. All the Catwoman action in this movie, like with, uh, the big moments with these characters, the Riddler moments, like how he works and all the gross killer rituals he's got to Batman's kind of modus operandi and how he goes to motorcycle guy who I thought was cool. And he kind of walks through the Halloween parades, even though the parades are in the rain for some reason. (laughs) Anyway, you know, they wouldn't take those insides, but you have him in a mask and he's, he's like this, you know, Robin hood type character. And then he's a creep, Mike. Yeah. Anyway, I'll stick with the best for a minute here, but the contact lens cameras as tech and how they set it up for major character moments for not just Batman, but Catwoman. I thought that was pretty cool. And thematically, the fact that he has to take notes the next day and the fact that that's how she contacts him. They leave open that. Contacts him. Get it? Do you get it? (laughs) Very good. Very good. I will not. I will laugh at that. Thank you. In public right now. In front of other people. That's a good job by you. Bruce Wayne's feathered hair, for Christ's sake. I thought he had a cool look in the rain when he comes to talk to Falcone. And, I, you know, the not once, but twice, but three times he keeps I coming to the door. I enjoyed and those twins. that gag. It was great. Yeah. That was great. And I, I loved everything at the club. That was creepy. That was scary. That was that was cool. It was Everybody was dressed to the nines. And it was awesome to see, you know, like they've done in previous movies, you know, a Batman beating the crap out of everybody in strobe lights. They were one degree of separation away from it being too much for me. It's, it's, it was the, the return, the same shot of dealing with the twins that are the doormen doing that three times was funny. And then it's got to go to the club and then you got to go back to the club because you got to go to the club inside of the club. If there was a club inside of the club, inside of the club, that would have been it for me. I would, that would have been too much. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's four clubs, in one <laughs> super secret room. And then there's, <laughs> I don't even want to yeah. go into the bowels of that <laughs> right. hill. It's just one guy. It's it's the creator from the Matrix in a chair. <laughs> just a naked Colin Farrell <laughs> in a fat suit. Uh, flooding New York City, like I said, really terrifying. Especially if you've been horrifying there. Horrifying, absolutely horrifying. I thought it was great. I agree, I, and I think I think a lot of sequences had huge highs and huge lows all at once. I mean, my God, Mike, the action shots, the the fight by machine gun firelight. Yeah. Genius. Awesome. But we saw it in the trailer. Yeah, we did. They they gave it away in the trailer, certainly. But yeah, awesome. Awesome looking. What what if they shot him in the face was our joke eight (laughs) months ago. There's a lot. You can have a lot of dumb and dumber jokes in this. 
I like her a lot. I think I think this, so you're saying there's a chance. We'll go take down some hedge fund guys together. All right, look at the romance with Catwoman. It's steamy. Like it works. I am not complaining at all that these two beautiful people are flirtatious. However, it makes no zero, sense. Zero, less than zero. And they almost jumped the gun. I guess maybe they should have because it doesn't make any more sense that it happened when it did happen versus when it should have. But they almost jumped the gun right away with it when he's looking in her eyes and stuff. Her lover's life is in peril right. and she knows right. it because she serves yes. these gangsters at this club. She knows how dangerous these people are. She has family history with how dangerous this club is and the people that they're dealing with. It's probably why she's become so formidable and she knows she's dealing with murderous psychopaths and corrupt politicians who could bury anything in a second. Again, it's why she is who she is and she's got this vigilante that she buddies up with that she's going to immediately start kissing on roof t- rooftops despite her lover being in the wrong hands who's given her nothing like there's right. no he, he and i don't mean like physically giving like there's no there's no emotional connection between the two of them there's no glances or looks there's no they don't I would sh- love swap it. life stories. <laughs> I would have loved it if she was playing him, if it was kind of a honeypot thing, but it didn't turn out that way I thought at all. that's where it was going. And by, where is some people in the media who are talking to Zoe Kravitz in real life and asking her questions as such as, did you think Selena Kyle was bisexual? Do you fucking think so? Of course it was. She only had to turn baby for the two <laughs> like, characters that she Jesus kissed in the movie. Christ. Like, we don't have to. Oh. <laughs> but here's the thing. You and I shouldn't be writing bisexual screenplays. No, Because we're idiots. Not. We don't of know anything. Not. I don't you know. Whatever cool shit they're doing, I don't know. <laughs> I want to, but I don't. And these idiots don't know what's going on either. They yeah. just, oh, I just. It's like middle school bullshit. Yeah. It's so middle school dance. Like she's kissing him under the roof, uh, under the bleachers, and then hit, and then her. G- give me a break. It's really dumb, and uh, I just get frustrated because again, there's the big sequences have awesome parts to it, like Batman's police station escape. Like these are bad cops. These are crooked cops. Let's fight them. Awesome. Yeah. But instead, he only punches the one good cop. <laughs> nails him <laughs> and then he's got this grapple gun escape which was awesome i wish i didn't see it in the and trailer the cops just start firing aimlessly in the police station at terrifying <laughs> but fine we get it scary and then he puts on this goofy flying squirrel suit which i, I get it's badass if you're jumping off a cliff and it's badass jumping off a skyscraper. It's insane jumping off a skyscraper, in fact, because there's like this deus ex machina of I'll break my fall with this bus. <laughs> Let me open gets... my parachute right before I go under this overpass. That seems stupid. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, can you just show him to be a little more prepared, maybe? <laughs> At least the other Batman could spelunk with the best of them. <laughs> This one is not as good. A, and again, I mean, there shouldn't be a lot. There's good and bad with that because, yes, that's foolish. But the camera was awesome. The way they had that must have been on top of Pattinson's head where he was wearing a front facing camera. And we had the view of the guys, the cops coming up behind him right. to reach him right as he jumped off the building. Really cool stuff. Cinematography was. Yeah. Don't make don't turn him into a pinball, though, at the end of such right. a badass scene. Like at least show like give me the goods of him flying squirrel. uh 
crazy parasailing through the city and see if, you know, and show him being capable in that moment, maybe where he can just not die or not, you know. Well, this was the more vulnerable Batman, right? This wasn't Christian Bale's suave, I'm going to be awesome at everything because I'm a tech genius and I have technology behind me. This was a guy who was just, seemed like he was up against it sometimes. That's all right. Fine. I get it. I'll forgive it because again, it was a cool scene. Like these are still best, and there's some worse involved. The Batmobile reveal was awesome. Revving that engine, totally cool. Awesome. Every gearhead was aroused. Very cool. I agree. And uh, we're not even gearhead, no. and we, you know, very happy that our, we know it still works down there for us. <laughs> Look at all to interrogate one fat man. He's gonna. He won't kill anybody, Mike, but he'll gladly and with relish lead to a hundred car pileup on the eight lane interstate, <laughs> the multi-truck <laughs> explosion. And and his big move at the end is to hope like this freaking flatbed immediately incinerating 30 people uh, fireball. Yeah. This flatbed spins around towards him so that he can jump through. Again, we saw all of it in the trailer in this Deus Ex Machina fashion, which pisses me off because yeah. I didn't want to know how he got out, even though I would have probably been mad anyway because it's a ridiculous last second lucky thing. There was a ton of that. There's a ton of Deus Ex Machina and a ton of last second lucky stuff. And there's also a fire retardant Batman because he. The explosion at the church, the the bomb around the DA's off the DA's neck, when he talks yeah. to Riddler for the first time, that explodes right in Robert Pattinson's face, and he, he just gets he knocked back. No, he did bring his arms up just in time. He didn't see that. Oh, okay. So that's why he's. Not- <laughs> <laughs> he put his forearm. I guess that's how he can fall from a skyscraper yeah, right. past terminal velocity because he's got his wings open and still just like hit a bus and survive. Right, that's my limp. Bad. That's my fault, not the writer's fault. That's my fault. <laughs> but then we all right, so we have the crazy ass finale where you know it's awesome to see him and Catwoman on top of the drone botron beating up Riddlers. Uh, but like the big moments, the smoke bomb is in the trailer. So I, I thought that was an awesome fight scene. That was probably one of the best in the movie. They saved it for last. Great. Mm-hmm. I love that Catwoman saves him even better i love that he's so freaking crazy that he just cuts the wire Mm -hmm. to save the people on the bottom i don't necessarily need him you know he really couldn't move in the water whatever that suit was going whatever was going on with that stunt man it was kind of hilarious that they went wide shot there oh i didn't notice that it looked like a bunch of rats (laughs) (laughs) leaving a storm drain it was just awkward but you know you show us you show us 10 cool things and there's just one that just annoys me. And that, and maybe I'm nitpicking and I'm an old grumpy jerk. And this is the old grumpy jerk podcast, which it kind of is. Yeah. But I also think it's the story lovers podcast. I think that yeah. we're talking about all these highs because the set pieces were high and the tech was high and the production values are high. And some of the character stuff is high. And yet the story just wasn't. Just have us do the polish. Yeah. We'll we'll proof. We'll proof your final draft. Yeah, it's just <laughs> with our pseudonyms. I'm sure and, and for any for a superhero movie like this 
My dog is snoring so loud. If you guys are getting this, <laughs> my nearly silent co-host, yeah. also dog. <laughs> for, for, a, for a movie of this caliber, it's got to go through a zillion layers of red tape, and we get that. But it's just, I, I will never not be mind-boggled as how we could have this first Batman movie story in 2020. How you could have episode nine for a Star Wars story. I don't understand it. Look, could we... You're you're going off though. What if I wasn't here? Like you would put this on the level of the rise of Skywalker. There's a lot of stuff in this that's just like no. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later, and they never get to All right. it. But you're transitioning into the worst scenes. You're hyperbolic. You're, you're, you're you got your blood up. All right, well, we got to finish some worse scenes if you could believe this it. This could have been so good. The the Riddler Batman mm. stare down with an H in the in the prison. When Riddler's like, oh, you didn't realize you were my partner all along in this? I thought we were copacetic. Yeah. That could have been a holy shit moment. And I thought that's the direction they were going with this. Where it was going to be, you had this vulnerable, emotional Batman who's trying to come to grips with whether or not he's actually making a difference in Gotham City. And does his violence actually solve anything? Going to this hyper-vigilant, hyper-violent place to track down this serial killer. And then you could have had all these moments be him realizing on flashback, oh shit, I was doing exactly what the Riddler, the mastermind, wanted me to do. And I wasn't doing it because of him. I was doing it to help him. In his eyes, I thought that could have been this, like, parallel brothers type moment. And I was, yeah. like, all in for that. I thought after three hours, that would have been the reveal that got me. And they backed away from it immediately with the car bomb stuff. Yeah. How, he, it didn't, it didn't work for me either. And even this, the way the scene was executed with him singing Ave Maria, like, I yes. get, I kind of get I it. All right. Part. He was. It's just obnoxious, but all right. It symbolically it kind of works. Sins of the father, sins of the mother, blah blah blah. I hate the fact that he's probably an altar boy and abused one. We all know the baggage there. But this could have been like Batman and the Riddler aren't. So, you're not so different, you and I. That's where I thought this was going to land. And I know they did that with Joker, and I know that was Joker's whole motif. But to do it. I mean, Joker had that as his motif from the beginning, and that's been the Joker's character. I thought they were going to do it with the Riddler this time and have it be this the kind it of was, pseudo reveal. It was a cheap kind of play on us because I think if the Riddler proved to be so smart that, number one, he could execute this whole thing, and maybe he lost the, the war, but he won the battle against Bruce Wayne, and from there you would know that the Riddler knows he's Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. Like, that would be major leverage, and you'd wonder if he was going to try and, and hurt him and, and take him out in prison from then on, or if, you know, of course, and the even back away from Joker. That, yeah. you got to give these guys an upper hand. I mean, it's just smart storytelling to give the villains the upper hand and if riddler knew who bruce wayne was then that would question everything and the batman would have to you know reckon with the fact Does that all right my secret him, yeah. is my probably out it's going to put everything to the test what are we doing like it's, it's just written right there it's almost like somebody at the i don't again i don't want to blame anybody these guys have their name on the script but it's uh it, it seems like a studio note where now nah, we're gonna gonna go back. Batman still has to have his. Think about the subtext safe. and the conversations that could have come out if you have. Well, is there really a difference between the Riddler and Batman? Like, is there really a difference between good guys and bad guys anymore in movies? Well, that that's the whole cop movie dichotomy. Right, every cop sure. movie we know that, but 
it's like man versus horse. Again, this is, you know. <laughs> well, man better fucking win that battle. <laughs> adaptation. Like every cop movie ever, ever. Charlie Kaufman was all over this right. 20 years ago. But we have, we have that playing out here, and they could have twisted the knife on it and actually enhanced the genre. I think they were not trying to innovate the genre of cop movies. They were trying to just make a superhero movie kind of a detective story for once and pull it off well enough. And I guess they did that. And if you're going to do that, you should do it with the Batman character because he's supposed to be the world's greatest. Yeah. I like, I admire the attempt. I'm here with it. I'm here, you know, points for ambition. Right. You know, I was, I'm, it's funny because I was angry with Mr. Reeves after those monkey movies (laughs) Because that was skirmish for the Lake of the Apes. It wasn't war for the planet, for Christ's sake. It was just, it uh, it, uh, it oversold itself, but I was bummed. Tussle like, for at, the hill. At least this one, he, he shoots for the, for the stars. Loud argument for the plot of the apes. <laughs> Mike, the penguin gets his ass whooped every single scene of this movie. Until maybe the car chase, you can argue that he gets an upper hand. But he is a punching bag. He is a laughing stock. He is in handcuffs. He is at rock bottom. What are we doing with this character? I guess you put him at, you push him to the bottom so that he can rise in his TV series. So that's what I think the thought process has to be with that character. Except that, why are you giving him his muscle flex moment as Carmine is being taken out in handcuffs. And why is the penguin going to use that moment when there's a zillion cops and media around to try and shoot him? It's the dumbest thing I ever seen. It's so stupid. It's so unrealistic for the character, for the timing. Yeah. It just makes no sense. It's, and that's another, it's like a deus ex machina. It's a, they need that distraction. So the Riddler can snipe off Falcone from the, book depository window you know why would the riddler need that to, other than dramatic irony i get it fine but the riddler doesn't he's sneaking up on all these powerful people the most powerful people throughout we see carmine going to a public funeral so well the, the, the argue, I, guy, I mean the the explanation there is he, he was time for him to get caught because he got caught immediately after that right he the riddler wanted to time it yeah. up all right fine I mean, I guess that's you know he wanted to have his moment where he was stirring his coffee in a perfect question mark in the diner across the street so the, but the Riddler's not a great mastermind here because Selena should have shot him, uh, you know, a few minutes ago. She had him dead Carmine Falcone, to rights. Carmine yeah. Falcone, Totoro, her father, yeah. stupid retcon, whatever. <laughs> She's four feet away. And after she fights everybody hand-to-hand combat from Batman to Falcone in that later scene to every henchman going, and after she's on the trapeze with the scaffolding outside of her apartment, (laughs) she's so capable, she's so awesome, she captures one of the police chief lieutenants, that crooked cop, and put, you know, in front of Batman and Gordon, she's beating the hell out of them. I mean, she is awesome, this whole movie, and then she, what, sneezes? I was just gonna say, oh my god, how do you just miss? Say, why didn't they just write in that she sneezes? <laughs> I mean, just write in that she's believable. She, oh, it's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Like she can't shoot this guy three feet away. This is for my mother. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> 
show that she's like allergic to dogs and not cats and there's a dog in the room and she sneezes like like that was like your comedic... dog snores too loudly and it distracts her <laughs> she's snoring pretty loud i don't know if people are hearing this but it's so dumb and then she doesn't know how to leave new york she lives in new york city and she's like at 34th street oh and God. she's not Peter going Jackson to penn station the fucking epilogue of this movie was too much do we need the fucking dual motorcycle riding off into the sunset and going our separate ways? No, shot the last I'm talking about why is she near the Madison Square Garden? And she's like, I got to leave town. This is how I do oh, it. I always oh, right, drive yeah. across the city, the most populated well, part. It, it was Gotham Square Gardens, and they are notorious <laughs> for building their most famous arenas on the outskirts of town. So I don't know. All the subway people died, by the way. <laughs> Everybody in a subway got flooded. We didn't so even mention death. that. Gotham City is dead. <laughs> There's so many people who are dead in this Batman movie. The flooding, the fire on the freeway. <laughs> There's yeah, and thousands. Again, can I go back to Selena Kyle making no sense to me again? Yeah. She is a cat burglar of the highest level talent. She's talking about taking down hedge fund managers with the Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, she's, let's go have some fun. Let's take down hedge fund managers. Let's be Lisbeth Salander. Let's, I mean, and then you had the cool girl with the tag two thing going here mm-hmm. for this Catwoman. I like it. But she's going broke. Like, she's getting shut off notices sent to her apartment. Number one, she works at like the richest club ever, the most exclusive club in Gotham for the Penguin who's just drowning. She in works money. in the inner club of the inner club, doesn't she? Well, I think she works in the outer club of the inner club. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Fine. She's underpaid. But she's the daughter of the gangster who controls the city. And that the first time they actually meet, you know, the, in the inner club, whatever. It's just, why is she going broke? I, Makes no sense. Palpable she has questionable tension <laughs> between her and her father. Oh. There was. And then Batman's <laughs> watching her change. For Christ's sake, which was kind of gross. Yeah. And it's even grosser when you know that everything, like he's with a box of tissues with his, uh, you know, replay the next day (laughs) because everything he sees, he records. (laughs) Jesus, man. You built the Batcave. You made Batman a creepo and you made him a voyeur. Fine. But what are we doing? Because he's not so different from the Riddler, him and I. Yeah. The next night after the mayor's mansion is broken into and the mayor is murdered, she is breaking into this mayor's safe. When this place is on lockdown, there's no way she's a cat burglar of that level and she's going broke. (laughs) It's probably a good point. She can't pay her rent. Are you effing kidding me? It's so stupid that you, it's just, again, they're trying to force the arc. They're forcing her to the bottom. No, you're this level of capable obviously, but uh, you just can't figure your shit out. Give me a break. <sighs> Stuff like that annoyed me. I, uh, I, I just vacillated to from C plus to A to D to... I don't even know what grade to give this, Mike. I hate this movie. <laughs> no! <laughs> I don't hate it. I just... Like, I like so much of it, and then I hate so much of it. Will you ever it's watch re- this again? You watched it twice, which was... I couldn't believe after well, watching it once. Th- I was going to go a third time Oh my god! last night, and I couldn't do it. I watched Succession. I finished Succession instead. 
in, in you know under the same moon i was like all right let's both go together or whatever well I, there's I just... like there's aspects of this i do want to watch again i do like it, it, it's a terrence malick movie the first hour i thought was boring the second hour i was in for the third hour i was good with but i thought it was really could have been really good at the very end and they backed away from it it's, it's just yeah but do i want to no. watch that again for three hours of my life i feel like I feel like this movie's going to do really well at the box office, and then we're going to kind of think of it as a cool Oscar contender, remember when? I because aesthetically, exactly this movie right. is awesome. I think you're right? exactly right. So maybe like on HBO Max, next, next Oscar season, you and I will be tempted to click on click on it or uh, if it show by then it'll be on tnt for you so you'll watch it your network tv <laughs> that was a good joke <laughs> Duh, would you watch this or dune again if you had to watch one well i've tried to rewatch dune and i've struggled i don't uh, do i have issues right now with these big budget same, movies well that's why i asked it because i have offense. the same i have the same feelings about this that i had watching dune like that's why when spider-man hits for me right I'm really, really happy because mm-hmm. it meets my impossible expectations. Right. So maybe even maybe I'm overrating Spider-Man to to that level because I don't think a movie should succeed with expectations, at least within my heart and soul, so being so high. This movie has forty-five thousand votes and it's got an eight point eight IMDB. The Batman. You're allowed to overrate Spider-Man in response. But okay, where do you? I I think I'm sticking with a B minus. I want to go down to C plus, but I you know the highs are high. Yeah, I'll give it the three point curve. I'll stick to my character. I'll stay in character here, and I'll give it a B, eighty four, eighty five. Yeah. And, and look, I just think, you know, this episode we kind of zigged when everybody else is zagging to a degree, and I don't, I don't begrudge people for liking movies like this and i will say this i think if you are a story junkie and if you're a genre uh aficionado in these particular genres then maybe this movie is is gonna fall short of expectations and certainly fall short of whatever standards you have or whatever you haven't seen yet i mean we just we can't help it mike We've we've overwatched these these genres. Yeah, uh, we're well established too. And we're how we... snobs. We're assholes. Well, we're story we're snobs. snobs. We're certainly story right. snobs, if nothing else. And we want to be. We've talked a lot of times. Like we wish we were the types of people who were like, oh man, the production design of this is is just totally worth it. But we go to the movies for the escapism, and the escapism a lot of times, in most cases, is tied to does the story deliver for us for us and it's subjective but that's where we land on these things so that's why we look i don't know how many times we got to say we don't want to dislike the movies that everyone likes that's not what we (laughs) created this to do you know we want to be part of the parade and we are when we are but we only hate the best here at mike we can't get there with this keep trying to force that as a catchphrase it's not gonna work it's terrible it's terrible we don't want to do that but i'll say this i feel like if you're trying to serve if you're trying to serve a conglomerate to hit whatever hundred things you have to hit in terms of a check checklist as a filmmaker like they're doing an impossible job here matt reeves and his company so he makes this plot work and make sense to a certain level 
right? And we would think he's the ballsiest, greatest. That's why, like, Ryan, when Ryan Johnson takes such risks. Or nails it. Yeah, but, you know, even he doesn't hit some things and people and enrages certain people and it, I, it enraged me like the whole finale of the last Jedi, like some of the biggest, but I can, I could, I give him points for audacity. Right. And for yeah, degree of difficulty that, for degree of difficulty. And we do that because it's something new that we can't believe they actually did going away from cookie cutter. Right here. It's, He's doing more than we expected, but not nearly enough to surprise our Look, the attempt, movie, yeah. movie drenched, you know. The attempt brains. is in and of itself worthy of praise. But because it is so different and off base and new, especially for a major studio, there's a big chasm between, I mean, the attempt, getting nowhere and having the attempt to do it is a big enough chasm. But the attempt, the chasm between the attempt and landing it successfully is quite just as huge, if not bigger. I mean, it's giant. It's ginormous. So it's not every attempt is going to land story wise, at least. Yeah, it's like uh, there's a certain point where it just becomes Thelma and Louise. Mm -hmm. Or the uh, the Rock and Samuel Jackson at the beginning of the other guys. <laughs> Name for the bushes, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, as always, what does matter most to us, dear listener, is your thoughts, and we do want to hear from you. Are you part of the 8.8 on IMDb? Did you love the Batman? Do you take issue or umbrage to anything we said, or do you think that we weren't harsh enough? Let us know those, as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit, where we are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you would be so kind, if you appreciate what we do to leave us a five-star review, those go a long way in helping us out. Uh, as far as what is next and what's to come, Mike, let's have some words of wisdom and let's tell good people where we're going next. Well, we're going back to the Oscar race checkpoint life. We got the independent spirits this weekend and we'll recap and review those. We'll also preview uh, the huge weekend on the 13th yeah. leading up to the 13th. We have the BAFTAs and the Critics' Choice that same night. We have a guest planned. She's a returning guest for us, Amy Smith of In Session Film, Next Best, Next Best Picture, excuse me. And uh, a lot of she does a lot of work for a lot of our friends. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to her coming off of the Glasgow Film Festival, so she'll maybe have some reviews for us at the top two. Awesome episode with uh, another uh, guest who's just dazzling us with all her work out there. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, the MMOs, perhaps, next week. We've been booting that around because that's a fun episode that we want to do. It's also an awkward spot like the end of next week because whatever we do in terms of previewing immediately gets trumped right. by the critics choice so we uh, i'd rather give amy the runway and right do the preview show early in the week and then kind of do our show that hopefully has a shelf life for a while which is the mmos usually does it's always a fun like go listen to mmos those are fun yeah, they are. um i'm also gonna and we're also i'm writing we're writing categories for each other and i'm writing you categories for me okay Different. This is going to be different this year. Yeah, that's I'm not news ask to me. You I'm, every I'm excited by that. It's news to you right now. So yeah. that I'm gonna, and you could punch those up or twist them at the last second. Punch them <laughs> <Okay>. down. <laughs> punch them down. <laughs> but we'll do the MMOs from 2022 
uh, or 2021, I should say, at some point in 2026, probably yeah. by 2026. Well, that's the Mike, Mike, and Oscar guarantee. Uh, words of wisdom. I had this question for you. Okay. This is not wise. This is a stupid question. Right. So, I'm but excited. again, this is a this is an ironic segment. Is, is it wise to have Batman's secret identity become public in a movie someday, if? you know he's subject to uh, legal actions as Bruce Wayne. If the public knows that the guy who punched them into the in the face <laughs> for putting, you know, graffitiing that wall yeah. was a billionaire, mm-hmm. I mean, lawyers would actually just sue Bruce Wayne into poverty yeah. and therefore enriching all of the people that he's punched. A, a good point, and I'll go a step further in saying... Um, how stupid every person has to be in this version of Gotham because <laughs> if Batman is going to drive on his motorcycle directly back yeah. to Wayne Manor and nobody's going to follow him one time. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of obvious. Right. He's not hiding his identity, really. <laughs> he's not that famous, though, yet. But you're right. Uh-huh. He's kind of... He, he's not exactly... Uh, He's not exactly a top Batman form yet. Right. So. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. Maybe it's wise to anticipate the next movie because they got a lot of kernels for good stuff in the Batman. I'm kind of curious to see what Matt Reeves does does next. I am. I hope they Are bring you? in Venom. <laughs> Be a real twist. You just you just want May. You really want an agent of chaos in your blockbusters now. And maybe we're impossible to satisfy in that regard. It's just old, crotchety guys. I always uh, advocate for mayhem, I, but see, I try. I try to take the. Yeah, it just didn't work. All right, <laughs> guys. <laughs> when reality sucks, you can come bash the bat with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, <laughs> trying to make award season year round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you very soon. See ya.